Hi, I'm Russell Bishop. The wetlands are often referred to as a biodiversity hotspot, which is another way of saying they're teeming with animal life and plants. Nighttime in the wetlands is extra special because many of those animals come out and you can enjoy them up close. In this episode, we're going to take you on not one, but two night stalks. First, to meet some incredible frogs, and then, for the brave, some of our wetlands' amazing microbats. Hi, everybody. My name's Denise Crosby, and I'm the Wetlands Conservation Coordinator for the Wetlands Centre, and I would like to welcome every one of you to our frog night stalk. Frogs are so fascinating to lots of people. We advertise frog night stalks here and 50 to 100 people will register for that event. But for me, it's all about the mouth. Um, there's something really endearing about a frog. Um, it looks like it's smiling, but they actually have no facial muscles. So they're always smiling, whether they're sitting, sunbaking, eating something or being eaten. Who's getting frog food up their nostrils? Oh yeah, I got it in my ears. <laughs> one. So remember, put the torch right beside your eye. Scan around for a little reflection like a piece of glitter and then focus on it and walk towards it. Okay, so everyone, I need your help. Let's find those eyes. In the wetlands, we can, we, we can divide our frogs into some broad subgroups. So the more familiar tree frogs, the motorbike frog and the slender tree frog. And we also have these really large ground frogs. And if you don't come out in the nighttime, you might never know they're here because they burrow under the ground. We also have smaller ground frogs that don't travel as far from the wetland because they're more uh, susceptible to drying out owing to their smaller size. <gasps> I found one. Oh, there's a lot of food for him here tonight. I'll put the red light on him, okay? I can see it too. One of the most obvious frogs in the wetland would be the, the motorbike frog. There's a misconception that all frogs live in water, but they spend, most frogs actually spend part of their lives in water and generally at breeding time. So whilst they can swim, they can't permanently swim. They are a terrestrial animal. At the wetlands, we have nine different species of frogs. Yeah, I've always found frogs fabulous. Hi, I'm Johnny Profumo. I'm an environmental biologist and I'm called the frog doctor. Well, they're probably the most iconic species in the wetland. They tell you all kinds of things, what kind of other animals are there and because they interact with the air, land and water, they take you on a journey of, of plants and other animals, insects, and their evolution is a reflection of our environment. It's a dry environment. In fact, it's the driest inhabited continent on the planet. 
and our frogs have evolved and reflect this dryness. So they breed in the winter and the rest of the time they have to deal with this dry. They have claws and they're actually, a lot of them are brown, thorny colour to coincide with the ground because that's where they live. The other thing, the frogs, they're the ultimate indicator because of their, um, the way they, they breathe through their skin. Some of the things that kill our frogs are associated with uh, uh, man and the changes to the environment, such as uh, habitat loss through urbanisation, pollutants, we've got climate change, bushfires, predators. What type is it? Have a look, you tell me. What do you think? Is it a tree frog? It's, it is a tree frog. Is it the slender tree frog? No. Have a look on the That's back. This slender one has the big stripe going all the way down the side. Is it a banjo? He's got the stripe down his back, but it's not a banjo, yeah. It's a motorbike frog. He's got the round fingers and toes yep. and he's got a his back is quite bumpy. Yep. But then the um, the stripe just goes sort of above his eardrum as well. Right, okay. Yeah. There's a mining frog. So look for the little stripe on his nose. And he's got the little salt and pepper dots on his side. And his back's a little mottled. And really short body. And short, powerful limbs designed for dinging. You can't go past the moaning frog. Um, the moaning frog is probably the most iconic of our species. You know, they're the ones that... When you know you were a younger kid, you would have seen this army of frogs coming down, and um, when it was raining, and they're the that's that army of frogs that you see. That's the moaning frog. They're the burrowing species. They actually have this domino effect when they start calling. You can sort of hear one one kick off the advertisement call, and then all the rest follow, just like dominoes falling over on the ground. beautiful. Isn't it gorgeous? Another common frog in the wetland is the clicking or rattling froglet. So it's a really small one. It's one of our ground frogs. It's only about two to two and a half centimetres in size. And it actually lays eggs around the edge of the wetland. But one of the reasons we, we come across this one is it frequently calls during the daylight hours. Are we getting closer to the wetland? Yeah, we're right. We're actually in the wetland now. This is where we have to find a slender tree frog. Where, yes, where, where? It too. Right oh, yeah. there. It's so like smooth, so small, no wonder. Now this is the perfect habitat for oh, slender tree yeah. frogs. The slender tree frog, it's a beautiful, delicate tree frog and you typically find this resting uh, near the tips of our rushes and sedges at feeding time or 
or at sort of mid or lower level when they're not feeding. They're very delicate, very acrobatic. Always run your eyes up and down the sedge so I can see one over there. Yeah, I think I might see one as well. Yeah. And there's a third one there. That one has emerged this year. So it would have been a tadpole when the water levels were a little higher. Because it's all dry yeah. in the ground now. And there's another one there. So that's really exciting oh, yeah, because it's yeah. telling us we've got recruitment of um, slender tree frogs yeah, this the, year. Look. We've got babies. Honestly, there were frogs galore. If you'd like to join a frog night stalk, please check out our website for details. You could also head into the wetlands at night to learn more about the incredible life of bats with our bat expert, Joe Tonga. Well, thank you everybody for coming tonight. It's gonna to be a great night. The reason why is it's hot. Now it's hot for us, probably a little bit uncomfortable, but it's the right temperature for the bats. So hopefully they've got little ones, so the little ones need feeding. So mum's going to be coming out of their boxes and flying around looking for lots of insects to eat. So that's what we want to show you tonight. The microbats we're talking about tonight, well, all bats are part of the mammal family. What do bats do that I can't do? And I'm a mammal. What do you think? Fly? Fly, yes. Bats the only creature, the only mammal that can have sustainable flight. So in other words, they keep flying. And their poor little wings just flap all night and just go up and down looking for insects. We've got two types of bats. We've got the mega bats, which are the huge ones, the flying foxes, and everyone's probably seen those. We have them in the south, in the northwest, right up the Kimberley area. That's the closest in Western Australia. All right. And then we've got the micro bats, which is the ones that we're interested around here locally in Perth. Okay. In Perth, we have six species. I think we've got about four down here in Bibra Lake that's living in the bat boxes. Now, these guys, the little microbats, they can see, as you're going to see tonight. The little microbats use more of the echolocation, which is important. Can you hear that sound? Not the whale sound, but the other high-pitched ting-ting sound? That's the, that's the white-striped free-tail bat. That's the sound you want to listen to tonight, OK? And you will hear them. They're very gentle creatures, so they've got very sharp claws. But when a bat crawls on me, it doesn't want to hurt me. It's a little bit like a dog. You, know, you get nipped by a dog, a dog can really tear into you if it wants to. But if it says, don't touch me, it might nip you. If to say, hey, go away or keep away from me. So, and bats are a little bit the same. I've never been really bitten by a bat and <clears throat> sunk its teeth into me. Not once, and I've handled quite a few bats. My favourite bat will be the smallest one, the lesser long ear bat, because it's got big, huge ears, and it's funny to see a little tiny critter that looks like a mouse with wings with big ears. So, and when you hold them in your hand, uh, sometimes I make a little chirping sound, high-pitched a little bit, and they look up and they sort of looking up like this and they're trying to say, what on earth you're trying to do? So I do love the little ones with the big ears because when they listen, they move them around like this. We've got at the moment here, I think about four, four species of microbats. So they are the white-striped free-tail bat. So it's a big bat, I 
call it a bomber bat because it's quite large and generally a high flyer. But it does come down here and live in the little bat boxes. So we recorded those. They're the only ones that we can hear. And then we've got a couple of other species, the southern forest bat, which like the little boxes. And we've got the, um, let me think, we've got the ghoul's wattle one, which is another one coming in. And we've got the southern freak tail. Okay, everyone ready? Just load the gear on and we're going to start walking. Uh -huh. Can you see in the distance there next to the shed, there's a white bat box facing east. So that's the type of box we're going to look into tonight. So that'll have bats in and um, they'll be coming out just when it starts getting dark. Then we've got my normal bat detector, which I'll show you, which is going to be good for sound, recording the sound. And then I've got this one here. This is a very special one because it's got a screen on it, display screen. So this screen is like a heart monitor in a hospital. You know how you see the little signal go up and down? Yeah. But when the bats fly past this particular microphone, because it's directional, all right, it picks up the ultrasonics and then transfers them to the screen. So the screen looks like a little heart monitor and it goes up and down. And this little gadget is a thermal imaging unit. So this is a military grade one where, to give you an idea, in complete darkness, I can see a rat about mm, 50, 60 metres away. Bats are very social and they, they do like to hang out with each other, not only for the social aspect though, but for because of breeding habits. They, they like to generate heat, so if it's cold winter's day, they'll huddle together. And the mums, especially if they've got young ones, they'll all huddle together because they need the temperature to have a hot, sweaty atmosphere. That's what they're looking for. So what we've done now, we've come to an area I call Bat City. There's 55 bat boxes in front of you, all right? Different shapes, different sizes, different orientations. So what I want you to do is walk up the bottom and you've got to get right underneath and poke the torch up there and see, are there any bats there? Yeah, I can see like three or four. Three or four? Great, well they're the little one. That's a yeah. southern forest bat. They're huddling in the middle. Huddling? They're moving around or just happily yeah, staying there? Around. Yeah, they'll be about to fly out soon. Very, very shortly, they're going to leave their little box and come out. The bats can have a varied diet. <laughs> they love mosquitoes, so they, they just consume huge amounts of mosquitoes. They love midges, and that's another one. They love moths of all descriptions. Whatever they can feed fit in their mouth so they've got very sharp serrated teeth multiple facet like a shark a little bit so and it's made to chomp the hard bodies of the insects that they they eat One oh here. my gosh so can you see them are they squirming around uh, yeah, they're they're moving. Moving. I, I saw they're moving i saw they're moving so they're moving tell you what don't stand underneath it too long because if they poo guess where it's going to go <laughs> If you've got a bat detector, you can turn it on now and they might start echolocating when they come out. So this is a Gould's wattle bat. But this guy's looking around, so he can sense that we're here. He knows we're here. His heart's going 100 mile now. He thinks he's going to get eaten. But, he, but after a little while, it'll start to settle down and relax a little bit, see? Because I'm holding him just in a gentle way, so not too not too um, tight and not too loose, otherwise it'll escape. Look at his little wings. The fascination for me with microbats are, I guess, 
they're small and they're extremely intelligent and they're very high-tech because they've got the ultrasonics, of course, using to forage and to, uh, you know, obtain, obtain their, their food source. So, and because the way they fly, they're very fast. So to me, they're interesting, probably because of the high-tech. You need high-tech gear to find them, to search for them, like thermal imaging devices and special sound devices to find them. And also, they are so beautiful small and vulnerable, and I love vulnerable animals. But this one, see he's looking up, look at that beautiful face. Yeah, this guy is a little bit keen to fly. He's gonna be ready to fly very shortly, I think. So remember, one of these can eat about a thousand mosquitoes a night. Just one. And they, you know, up to 25 bats can fit in a box here. So what they call a full colony. Here they, they're talking, that's their social course. They say, ooh, what's going on here? Something strange happening tonight, we're going up and down the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not sure what's going on, but what they'll do is um, they'll end up coming out. Oh, they're coming out now. Oh, oh there they are. Look at them all. They're coming out of this box. Oh yeah, they'll start coming out because they're hungry now and they'll be dropping out. And because you remember, Bibra Lake is so close, they've got lots of food, heaps and heaps of food. Now, if you're a bat, you've got lots of food but nowhere to live. Where can you live? But here they've discovered all these boxes and now they've got food at their doorstep and a home. So they're now they're breeding here, see? I love them. If I could kiss them, I would. I'm here to save them and, and show the world that they're beautiful critters. And they're so good for our environment because they eat a huge amount of our insects, massive amounts. And, you know, that's what, that's what they're there for. And so they're helping us. Special thanks to Western Australian Museum Bula Bharat and the University of Western Australia for making this episode possible.